Hey, Last Locks crew. Now we have a special guest joining us, Rick Finlater. Rick is an incredibly talented hair and makeup designer based in Australia. With years of experience in the industry, Rick has worked on some of the biggest film projects, including the iconic Lord of the Rings and Hobbit films. He has brought to life beloved characters like Gandalf the Grey and created stunning looks for the enchanting realm of Hobbiton. Rick's creativity and attention to detail have made him a sought-after artist in the industry. Now, I first met Rick back in ah, 2004. Oh my God, that was so long ago. At that stage, I had worked on a few local New Zealand TV shows and done my fair share of short films. And I knew Peter Jackson's King Kong was prepping to shoot in town. Now, I managed to track down Rick's email address and sent him an email introducing myself. Rick was the supervisor on the project and Peter Swords King was the designer. Now, the response I got from Rick was in the form of an apology, stating they already had their full-time team in place. So I replied, letting him know that I didn't care if it was one day of work or 60. I was looking for the opportunity to work on a film, explaining that I had found myself in the place where I needed experience to land jobs but couldn't seem to get the experience because I didn't have enough experience. It's that catch-22 situation. And I also informed him that my wet set finger-waving skills were next level and they needed me. (laughs) So luckily for me, I struck a nerve with Rick in regards to the catch-22 as he remembered that time in his career. So he made an appointment to come in and have his hair cut with me in the salon I was working part-time in and left saying, we'll see what we can do. Well, I'm happy to say I was brought in as a day player for weeks of work and have been fortunate to work with Rick on multiple projects now. And he is also my birthday twin. So his birthday, I will never forget. Throughout our conversation, Rick shares fascinating tales from working in Middle Earth and offers insights into leading a happy and talented hair and makeup team, which I can attest to, he is a wonderful leader. Now get ready to be inspired by Rick's incredible journey and gain valuable knowledge about creating exceptional looks in the film industry. I want to give a massive shout out to our Last Looks crew that attended our live Q&A event this past weekend. Your questions were awesome, on point, and I loved all the amazing information and advice Sarah Rabano gave us. Now, if you would like to get in on our next live Q&A, tickets are available now. Link in show notes or on the website last-looks.com. And our top 10 talkback guest for December 2nd, is none other than hair and makeup designer Peter Swords King. You know the guy. Did Lord of the Rings, King Kong, Pirates of the Caribbean, Mary Poppins Returns, and so many more iconic films. So get your questions ready, and we'll get them answered on December 2nd by Peter Swords King. And don't forget, guys, if you would like to support the podcast to help this little show chug along, you can buy the podcast a coffee. Link in show notes and cheers to those that already have. Appreciate my Last Looks crew. Guys, awesome. My name is Jamie Lee and this is the Last Looks podcast, a show where I catch up with makeup artists and hairstylists working in the film and television industries around the world. And today on this rerun episode, we are chatting to hair and makeup designer Rick Finlater. On with the show. And now, a word from our sponsor. Are you tired of showing up to set with dry, cracked hands? Well, now your well-moisturized mitts will be the talk of the town. Thanks to Hands Down Sanitizer. The best in the biz, hands down. Other products are loaded with fillers. Hands Down is all natural, made with essential oils from Paris and real aloe. So you can say goodbye to the dry and say aloe to clean, soft skin. Their organic, non-toxic formula comes in a variety of soothing scents. Lavender, coconut, lemongrass, and clove. Your hands will feel great and smell great. Guaranteed. Created by Emmy-nominated makeup artist Stephanie Fowler. Each bottle is handcrafted just for you. And it's not just good for your skin. It's also good for the planet. Hands Down is refillable, recyclable, and sustainable. Where does one find such a treasured possession? Hands Down is available at most makeup and hair suppliers and online. Hands Down Refresher and Sanitizer. Because when it comes to your skin, you deserve the star treatment. 
And now, our feature presentation. Pictures up. Last looks. Rolling. And action. Hey, Rick. Welcome to the Last Looks podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Hey, now I want you to finish this sentence for me, okay? <laughs> He's like, uh-oh. Um, once upon a time, there was a boy named Rick, and when he grew up, he wanted to be? Um, he wanted to be a makeup artist. He did? That's amazing. Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so then you grow up and you go through high school and all that kind of stuff. So what happens when you leave high school to okay. make that happen? I, high school, I kind of had an opportunity to be start a chef's apprenticeship mm-hmm. and I thought that was a great idea because I was really struggling just with some independence. And then during the course of the chef's apprenticeship, I realised that, you know, nobody wants to work while all your other mates are having a party, so that was a bad idea. And then um, an opportunity came up to go to makeup school during the day while I chefed at night, so I okay. just jumped on the bandwagon of that one and then before you knew it, bingo. So you were going to school during the day and then working in the evenings? Yeah, I was literally, I'd go to school, I'd be at school by 8.30 in the morning and I'd finish at 3.30 and then I'd drive straight from makeup school straight to the restaurant and I'd work from like quarter to four till 1am. So I did that for a year. So it was a pretty big struggle to get finished and completed, but um, it's definitely worth it, although it was hard. And the funniest thing was I used to turn up at the kitchen covered in makeup and they'd look at me like... (laughs) What is going on with you? <laughs> yeah, like, I, don't mean, having... I don't mean covered in makeup like I was in full makeup, lashes, lips and <laughs> blusher, but I'd have it all over my hands. It was like, it was just yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's a good thing you were young trying to get all that done in a day. Oh, my goodness, it would have been exhausting. Yeah, it was. But, you know, like you just said, when you're young, you kind of just jump in and go, Oh, yeah, mm. no problem. Away you go. And then so once you did your training, what happened after that? Well, pretty much once I'd finished that, there was that fantastic um, – somebody made me aware, I think, <laughs> was in a nightclub one night that you could get this um, under-25 open work visa for Vancouver. And coincidentally, this was right when L.A. was coming out of L.A. and going to Vancouver and making all their films. Mm-hmm. So I knew, it was a, I knew it was a hot spot. And then um, I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to go and do this. So I just literally, me and a mate, he wasn't in the film industry. We just packed up, rocked there. I think I stayed at the YMCA for like two weeks. Yeah. Listening to Celine Dion on my CD player because that's how <laughs> long ago it was. And it, no, what's it called? DVD Man or something. Anyway, one of those portable CD players. Yeah. And then that was kind of it. And then I called every single TV station there was to do work. And then it just kind of this really lovely makeup and hair person called Fern Levin called me back after I called and said, Do you want to help out with a commercial? It's unpaid. And I was mm-hmm. like, Yeah. So that was that was it. And then the little thing started in from there. But I think I hung out in Vancouver for about two years. Yeah. And then I came back to Australia and um, that's when we just started back into TV and that sort of stuff. So when you were doing your makeup course, did you know that you wanted to do TV and film stuff or were you just kind of open at that point of I want to do makeup but I don't know where or how? No, once I'd started, that was it. Yeah. I just had tunnel vision. I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And, you know, I remember the teachers giving us all career not opportunities, but different avenues that you could do once you were qualified. Yeah. And n- none of them other than TV or film interested me whatsoever. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that makes it a little easier, right? Yeah, 100%. When you're just on that one track, you're like, I'm just going to concentrate on this and it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you did a bit of work in Vancouver for commercials and stuff like that? Yep, did a bit of that. Did a few days on X-Files and stuff like that. That's cool. And then... um. One day I came back and my Australian counterpart had just decided he'd had enough and left. Mm. So I was kind of stuck there. And then I think I think it was just my visa was just about to expire or something. And, you know, especially when you're young, you can only do so much time away from home. So yeah. 
I unpacked up and came back to sunny Gold Coast. And was there stuff being made there? On the Gold Coast? Yeah. Yeah, I think they were in the middle of one of the first things I did was just as a daily was Street Fighter. Then this really does tweet how old I am. <laughs> so Street Fighter the movie? Street Fighter the movie with Kylie Minogue. Oh, yes. And Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, and of course, I thought it was amazing. That was, at the time, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, so that, that kind of happened. And then it just started. And then I went into TV for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, oh, one of my first things I ever did was Flipper. <laughs> that was good. Flipper is a TV show? Flipper is a TV series. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> did that one. And then I just started with, you know, those, the movie of the weeks, blah, 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 blah. That kind yeah. Of yeah. And you're doing both makeup and hair or just the makeup? Well, in Australia, that was, you had to do both makeup and hair. But at that stage, especially in just that episodic TV, the hair was really basic and I was mm. super green anyway. So it was just like, you know, it, it kind of worked for me to get my start getting my, Fingers in the hair, basically. Yeah. Did they have any hair training at the course that you did, the makeup course? No, they offered a subsidiary one, which I ended up doing, but I didn't do it for a few years later after that. So right. that kind of worked. But, yeah, I never actually went into a salon, thank God. <laughs> no offence to all those people that have gone into salons. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I won't take it personally. No, um, sorry, <laughs> What are you going to fall back on, Rick? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that conversation normally goes. Um, so doing all of that and then how long until you're heading over to New Zealand to crack into Lord of the Rings? All right. Because um, it looks like that kind of happened fast. Fast, yeah. Super fast. Yeah. I just took this phone call from Carolyn Knott, who I had been on other shows with, and they were looking for a makeup artist to look after one particular character on Lord of the Rings and so they kind of targeted me mm-hmm. and then it was a really dodgy decision to go because uh, you know I had to read The Hobbit on the plane so I didn't really know what I was going in for and then um I'd sacrificed a year's work here in Australia like a, a year in advance yeah to go and take this shot and I remember getting there and the production manager saying well you're on a you're on a three-month trial <laughs> I was like you're what, like, what? <laughs> trial <laughs> Are you kidding? Anyway, after that, I got caught up in the whole thing. But, yeah, I kind of launched into that thing pretty quick. So reading The Hobbit on the way over, having, I'm assuming, not having read Lord of the Rings trilogy books. Correct, yeah. Wow, so it's like a crash course into Middle Earth. (laughs) I literally (laughs) dive-bombed right into the Middle Earth. (laughs) Completely. I belly-flopped right into Middle Earth. Yeah. Okay. So it's safe to say you were not a fan to start with. Um, <laughs> you're like, what is this all about? I've got to learn what is going on. You get yes. there. And so is that before they had started shooting? No, I think they'd already started. They'd done some prelim stuff. They must have shot for about maybe it was eight weeks. Okay. And um, I, to this day, I kind of had no idea. And I remember being in a, um, a pre-party thing in this bar hmm. and one of the makeup artists walked up to me and said, who are you here doing? And I was like, blah, 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 blah. And they were like, what? And I'm like, yeah, why? And they're like, we've had over 300 applications for personal makeup artists to do him. And I was like, oh, really? I said, I didn't even apply. <laughs> and then I kind of realised, well, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Forever hated. <laughs> yeah, forever hated. I was, there was yeah. a target on my back after that. <laughs> anyway. That's quite interesting. Oh, yeah. It was. I didn't realise. The point of that whole thing was I didn't realise how sought after a position on the team was. Yeah. And, until they had said that. Once they'd said that, I kind of went, ooh, maybe I should take this a bit more seriously than I currently am. <laughs> yeah, I guess not coming from a background of being like, you know, growing up reading the books and all that type of thing, you probably wouldn't have any idea of the the just the size of what was going to be happening. Yeah, but, but you know what else? I don't think um, the guys there knew the size of what was going to be happening. No. Not until it kind of kicked in and started. And what is it now? It's like 22 years ago or something, 21 years. You know, the first one came out in 2001. But you would have been sh- right. yeah, shooting well before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember them putting like all out over the whole country 
like auditions for background and stuff like that for looking for certain types of people and it was just like oh my god yep. <laughs> and I grew up with my dad was a big Tolkien fan and enjoyed reading Lord of the Rings and every time I said dad I'm bored he would like throw that book yeah. in front of me and be like read this go on an adventure and I'd be like what no way <laughs> <laughs> Of course, I eventually read them, but <laughs> I was just like, you're crazy. I'm not reading about wizards. and I know. Do you know what? I think I remember being on, on that, obviously, on that film and um, living up to Gandalf and McKellen. But mm-hmm. and there were just days that you'd be, you'd be so encapsulated within your little tomb of a makeup space. And three hours later or whatever it was to get his makeup and hair on, you'd open the door. Of course, it was dark when you went in and then it was light when you came out. But you'd open the door and I'd see these ring rays or, you know, a little flock of elves walking past <laughs> the trailer or, or, or another wizard just popping in to say hello. And I was like, oh, yeah, I love this shit. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I love how you just referred to elves as a flock. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they were. They were always floating around doing something weird or playing with their hair. <laughs> That's so true. A flock of elves. That's yeah. awesome. That should be a band. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you were solely there for all three films looking after Gandalf? No. I had um, established Ian as Gandalf the Grey mm-hmm. and then Gandalf the White. Mm-hmm. And then again, I think I got to my almost my must have been a year, year and a half mark. Yeah. And then a designer's job had come up back in Australia. Mm-hmm. So I thought I either have to jump now, mm-hmm. as in jump and take the next step. Yeah. Or I, this opportunity might not present itself again. So, you know, with great regret and sadness and all that stuff, like we were great mates with everybody. So to cut a long story short, I ended up coming back to Australia, um, really missing the guys. But what was really nice was I was always invited back for all the pickups that happened on those films. So I kind of got to reconnect anyway. So I was really lucky. That was probably a big career choice for me because I was lucky to take a hiatus to pursue my career mm-hmm. from from that huge film and then still be greeted back to help complete the other two films that pick up, so the other three films that pick up. So, yeah, it was good. I was very grateful. That's awesome. And yeah. I, I guess it is it, that is a scary thing when another job pops up and you've already got that bird in your hand. <laughs> You're like, I've got yeah. work for however long if I stick with this one, but <laughs> that one might take me somewhere else. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So it's totally a case of sliding doors that, yeah. you know, go one way, it's going to happen, you go that way, something else going to happen. But so far everything's worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think you're safe. Um, now, the question is, after you finished up all of that and those three films came out, did you ever think you'd be going back to Middle Earth? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but you know what was good was kind of like because, because I'd had that hiatus from Middle Earth, mm. I was like, did I ever think we'd go back to do it? No. And I think it was 12 years later that we went back. Did it, was it 12 years? Did the hobbit? It was something like that. So to go back and see everybody again, it was really quite strange, but it also felt like there hadn't been 12 years between films, that's for sure. It was just, just crazy. That is crazy. A few new faces, but, I mean. Definitely a few new faces, but, yeah, I think it was the same recipe, do you know what I mean? Like we were, yeah. we were making a different cake, Yeah. but fundamentally it was the same recipe. Now, I'm assuming, I, I don't even know why I don't know this, but I'm assuming that <laughs> when you went back for the Hobbit films and looking yep. after Ian again, you got a new beard and a new wig, right? Yes, we got. Okay. Because <laughs> I was like, did they pop that out of storage and did you no, have to use that one again no. or did you get new ones? Good question, but no, I got um, two new of everything. And here's okay. what's surprising that most people don't know because on Lord of the Rings, I remember being given two, two grey wigs, mm. two grey beards, and they were to last me an entire year. Wow. And they did. So Good. it's always funny when people go, oh, this will never last. I'm like, mm, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, well. And then, well, did it need to last longer than that or no? On Lord of the Rings, no, that was kind of it. And I think there was a refront done on one of the weeks at one stage, but then on yeah. The Hobbit we were given another two and the thing, yeah. I don't know. You always end up with your favourites though, don't you? You know, your favourite mm. wig and your favourite beard and the other one just yeah. becomes a backup. So. Yeah. 
you kind yeah. of yeah thrash it i think you just wear it in a little bit better than yeah one wears in a little better than the other and you keep with it yeah and how was that going back to look after gandalf again like, was it just like... <laughs> he, he was really funny because I know um, I had a said, it was a long time, and I remember seeing him, we were shooting tests on something, I can't remember, on one of the one of the hobbits, I think. Mm. And um, so I saw him in the tent very quickly, hug, hug, kiss, kiss, hi, darling, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then Peter Jackson came into the makeup room and said, oh, Ian's just been chatting, saying that you, that you said that you don't need to put his nose on for the hobbit. I was like, <laughs> I like, good try, Peter. You need to go back and tell Ian, I never said that, and he will be wearing his notes to the hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Peter Jackson just laughing like crazy. <laughs> I love how he tried it on, though. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. See if this, I'm going to see if this plays through and I can get away with not wearing the nose. That's yep. hilarious. I have to say that it's not, it's not very often that I have like freak out little geek moments, but I, I will be honest that when I saw Ian in his full get up yep. with the hat on and everything, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just that first time. And I think I saw him in the reflection of one of the mirrors and he just kind of walked through and I was just like, <gasps> that was Gandalf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it wasn't just you because I remember we were doing, um, we're shooting at Matamata in the North Island. Yep. Yeah. So we're, at, we're at, actually at Hobbiton and the very mm-hmm. first day that Ian went on to set, we were doing the scene where he drives up in the car, horse and buggy thing, and then gets out to see Frodo. And we got out of the car and I can remember walking with Ian down the set and I could hear these people just go, <gasps> oh, my God, he's exactly like I imagined. Now, that's not <laughs> to say I had anything to do with it. I was just given the stuff and I stuck it all on. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it was so nice to see people, you know, especially the fans of Tolkien go, oh, my God, there's Gandalf, like, for yeah. real. Just <laughs> yeah. recognise him and just be like, that's how I pictured him to look. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was very nice. Because it could just go, go the opposite way. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be a nice start to the shooting day, hearing people no. go, what, he doesn't look right at all. That's terrible. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That'd be pretty bad. Um, so when you were when you were working on that first lot of films, I'm assuming had you done a lot of wig work and beard work and stuff before? God no. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely not. So I was kind of apart from what you do in, you know, makeup school, mm-hmm. but no, absolutely not. And you know what? I was so fortunate that um my introduction to the world of wigs and beards and mustaches and, and prosthetics. For, the, for that matter. Mm. But when you handed a Peter Owen wig and a Sarah Weatherburn beard, yeah. they really, they make your job so much easier. Yeah. So, and they were all handmade for Ian and everything else. But, um, you know, that's not to say, I still had to stay on top of it and keep the lace lines. And I don't know, there's nothing worse than having a huge hat stuck on top of your wig. Yeah. And then... A scarf stuck underneath your beard. <laughs> so it's just, it's a lot of work and it just requires a lot of attention all day, every day. There's no, no downtime with that stuff. But um, when you handed those magnificent pieces made by those absolute geniuses, yeah, it's, they really do make your life, an intro, the introduction to that life, so much easier. Yeah, you're kind of spoiled straight away. 100%. 100% my God. <laughs> was, was Sarah there? making stuff or was it was she in London it was being shipped over uh, initially she was in London main and it was shipped over but then she actually turned up for a little yeah yeah and I mean you had Peter Owen there right we had Peter Owen there like right there so all the adjustments were done yeah it's just fantastic that's so awesome I wish I could kind of relive that because I thought that's how every film operated like <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. So I just kind of like, oh, this is nice. This is pretty crazy, you know, and these amazing white people and amazing designers. And, and then I realized, oh, I wish I could have gone back and just watched everything again in slow motion. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense because, it, it, yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't realize at the time. Yeah. It's not that you've taken it for granted on purpose or anything. It's just that it, it happened and you were lucky enough to be in the middle of it. Yeah. And I'm also going to say this too, as like such a junior makeup and hair person, I was mm. so lucky to be so supported. Yeah. Like that really makes a difference in the way you can um, move forward with the rest of your career. Like they, those guys – 
Peter King, Peter Owen, the whole team, they always made you feel completely supported. They were always backing the makeup and hair department. That, you know, yeah. it was a consolidated front and um, a really appreciate that from America. Yeah, I um, have never met or worked with Peter Owen, but I do feel like that about Peter King and yourself. No, thanks, Daryl. Always having that support and coming up in an environment like that is amazing. And then when you walk into another environment a few years down the track and you're like, what? Why are people behaving <laughs> like this? This is horrible. What is wrong with all of you people? You really um, miss miss your crew. <laughs> yeah. You do, which I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it is a really nice, uh, yeah, it's a nice feeling to feel like everyone's got your back, and if you can't, you know, if you can't quite get there, that someone's going to just jump in and help you, and yeah, you know, you're going to get it done as a team. It's awesome. That that is priceless. But you know what? It's kind of that thing where um, once you learn how that healthy department can operate like that with complete support and having everybody's back, I think that's a legacy that you try and pass down. Yeah, when you start to head departments, yeah, or design departments, you're like. No, no, guys. We can we can be friends, do an amazing job, and we can support each other. Yeah. Well, I think you make that happen, Rick. Me? Yeah. Yeah. I like to have happy teams. Like I think I'm a firm believer in you do your best work mm. when you're in a relaxed environment, you're completely supported. And you know what? Even as a designer now, when I do design, I just make the suggestion. I hire good people and I get out of their way. Yeah. That's my model. And the thing is that when you have a boss, leader, designer that does that, it makes you feel like you're trusted and that you are capable of doing the job Yeah, and you do just get on with it and you want to do it the best that you can because it's just like, oh, this has been left up to me. Yeah, i got to sort it out. It's my job now to yeah. run with this. And, it, yeah, it's a really healthy way to work. I always wondered if you'd had, like, <laughs> previous training on supervising people or <laughs> – like if you'd come from some kind of business background or because you're just so good with dealing with people. I mean, you know, you would have like, I don't know what, like four or five trailers full of hair and makeup people all working at once and it would just work so well. Yeah. Everyone would just get on and there was no bullshit going on. I mean, every now and again you'd get a little bit of something, but it would never last. And yeah, it's such a good environment to be in. But it's just like that does trickle down from – from the top. Yeah. Well, you put it, I think you said it perfectly when you said, you, you know, if your boss can make you feel supported, talented, appreciated, mm. then they're the big things that, you know, uh, you know, people will work harder to get the, the perfect result. And as the boss, I want you to do that. And I want yeah. you to go home and be happy every day. And I want you to come to work, wanting to come to work to do a great job. I don't want you coming to work hating me or, you know, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, that's thanks, Daryl. That's a nice thing to say. But I do like happy teams. I think happy teams are much more healthy for everybody and that you get a better result. Yeah. And it, I, I found, I think it was like the first time when I came on to The Hobbit that I feel like it was the first time that just being a full-time member on that and kind of being handed your characters <laughs> and it's just like, there you go. <laughs> you know, you've got the you've got the gist of how, you know, the design has been put in place and it's been okayed and you've got the tick and all that kind of stuff, but it's your job to read the script, your job to do your breakdown of your characters, your job yeah. to sort yourself out. Like, come on, you're a yeah. grown up now, get into it. And I remember that kind of terrifying me at first, but then once I figured out that, oh no, no, this is good. <laughs> yeah. Then I just kind of, yeah, ran with it. But at first I was just like, what? They're trusting me with this? <laughs> Are they crazy? <laughs> but, you know, that's, no. uh, but I can't imagine you guys having to micromanage like 20 of us. Like that would drive you insane. Oh, you just could. I honestly, you couldn't do it. And I, I don't think I've got no interest in doing it. Like I just, I've got no interest whatsoever in micromanaging anything. I just, it's just like, even though that might appear that I do, it's just, if I'm in the position of designer and I'm hiring, or even as a supervisor and I'm hiring, mm. I know that if I'm offering you that position, I trust that you can do the job. Yeah. So I really am just going to give you the guidelines and walk away. And then if I think something's going on screen that I don't think is quite right, 
we'll have a chat about it. But up until that stage, welcome to the team. Let's have a party. Yeah. No, I remember you. Um, <laughs> I don't even know when it was. When was it? When that kingdom, that film that never happened. That oh, we yeah. Did, like all that <laughs> prep and it never fell over. But the fact that I think you got hold of me and you were like, I want you to run, run background. And I was like, I haven't done that before. And you're like, yeah, you can do it. You can do it. And I was like, I can? Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. But it's just that moment of having someone believe in you that it's just like, oh, they, okay, yeah, we can do this. As long as yeah. you're the boss guy and you're going to help me out, <laughs> we can get this done. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. But you'd be surprised how often that doesn't doesn't work that way. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after after recent years, oh, yes, I wouldn't do that for you figured it out. <laughs> Um, so when you are hiring a team of people, what are you looking for? You know what? The first thing I'm looking for is confidence mm. because even if you don't know how to do something, confident people will find a way to get it done. So I want confidence is number one, talent is number two, and I'm going to say that personality is going to be number three because it doesn't matter what anybody says. We work in a confined environment. Um, under stressful situations, sleep deprived, it just goes on and on and on. If you don't have the personality to work in that environment, be happy, cope with stress, own the work that you're doing at the time, Have take pride in what is going onto the screen, knowing that, you know, potentially millions and millions of people might see it mm. or just maybe a thousand people will see it. It doesn't matter, but as long as you think you're striving for perfection every single take on every single shot, then that's the person I want on my team. But you have to be a nice person to go with it because if you're not, then those other two get, even though they're the two that I want to, the two traits that I want to hire first, if the personality doesn't work, it's not going to work for me whatsoever. No, it's totally true. Yeah. It's absolute sense. I was going to ask you too that while you were coming up, whether it was doing your training or in those first few jobs, was there any piece of advice that you were given that has really stuck with you? Um, in regards to managing crews or, in, or just no, anything? Just, just, I guess just career-wise, just working in the film industry. If someone above you kind of gave you... Oh. If I'm going to give you one word of advice, Sonny, it's going to be this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll tell you what. Peter Owen once came into the trailer and I was having a problem with Ian's hair or his beard or Gandalf, you know. Hmm. And and Peter turned around to me and said, do it like it is, not like what you think it looks like. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, if natural hair, let's say it's from the temple, right? Yeah. If the hair from the temple down to the ear is at a 45-degree angle, why mm-hmm. would you want to bend it at a 90-degree angle? It's going to look incorrect. So that whole thing stuck with me the whole time. Like if you are doing something that's supposed to look real but it's fake, whether it's a prosthetic, a beard, a wig, yeah, you, you have to copy nature first and then you can put your own spin on it. So do it like it is, not like you think it looks like. Yeah. And that was the biggest thing ever that I ever learned. You know what? I was going to ask you what advice you give to others, but I feel like you actually said that to me at some point. Oh, my God. Because I remember, like, (laughs) (laughs) I remember, not maybe in those words, but I remember, especially with all the facial hair and stuff that we were doing on Hobbit, it was just like, and you were in the mirror and you're like, look at the direction that my hair grows on my face. Look at the, you know, and you were just, and I took that into all hairline growth patterns and, Yeah. yeah, just... Just like it's, it's got to believe it. It's got to look real. Like look at the real thing yep. and then make that wig, you know, go in that direction. That hair grows down this way or over that way or whatever. And that, that has really stuck with me as well. And I feel like I have also said that to other people. So it's, <laughs> it's being shared around. Yeah. You know, and I'm glad that kind of sticks that, that that's a legacy of Peter Owens that gets passed down because it is so true with hair patterns. And I know with wig makers, I mean, as you know, Jay, I've got a mm. shaved head, so it's quite easy to see hair direction, what's left mm-hmm. of my head. <laughs> so I quite have to get the wig makers and they're like, oh, do you want us to knot a, a part line in that? Do you want me to do this? I'm like, can you just feel the direction of the hair on my head? I'm like, I just need you to make the wig knotted like a human head and then me as a stylist will push the mm-hmm. hair any way I want. 
but he has to match hair on the head. So it, it, long answer to your story, that's the best piece of advice I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> and you do pass it on to others. So Yeah. You get a better <laughs> result when you follow that technique. Really yeah, do. but it's so I find it so amusing looking back at it that I hadn't thought of it. Well, that's... That it didn't come natural and that everybody I've said it to, they've gone, oh, yeah. And it's just like <laughs> you, you you think that, you know, you just think that naturally that you'd be, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> that you would have thought of it. <laughs> but it's just like I think you get so wound up and like it's a wig and I've got to do the wig or it's the beard and I've got to do the beard. And it's just yep. like you're, you're, you're trying to manipulate it to, yep. you know, uh, yeah. Something it's interesting. Not, yeah. yeah. It's just so interesting. The little, just those little subtle details and things that you can do to make it look more real. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, um, especially with Peter Holman, he's like the genius of that kind of stuff. You know, I remember him going, saying something about a prosthetic and he was like, oh, darling, you just need more blood in that. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? How can I get more blood in it? It's like, no, you just need, you need D32. And I was like, which is a dermacolor. Yeah. Color. But it's exactly the same, you know, pink flush. The blood looks like underneath the skin. Mm. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. Sure enough. Of course, he's right, but yeah. um, it's just those subtle little things. Absolutely. It's awesome. Yeah. So lucky to have these people above us to have given us. Oh, my God, yeah. All these little tricks. Yeah. I still can't believe how green you were going into that whole situation. I, I'm sorry, I'm going back to it about that. You must have, oh, my goodness, you were learning on the job. That's amazing. <laughs> I really was learning on the job. One good thing that I can do is, like, I'm happy to just, I like to watch intently and when you're being shown something, mm. don't worry about putting your own spin on it the first few times. Just do mm. it exactly the same. Like yeah. even if you, even if you have to video it and watch it again and again and again, do yeah. it exactly the same way you are shown. And then down yeah. the track, if you come up with something better or faster and you still get the same result, do it. But for the first few times, just copy the way they put the um, when you're being shown something, just copy it because that's exactly what I did. Yeah. And then um, and I still do it the same way now, though. I don't think there's a better way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried. Don't worry. I've tried. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so um, throughout your career, you've worked on location quite a few times. Uh, you know what? It was funny because when we started this conversation about doing this podcast, I literally, mm. I pulled up my IMDb page and I was like, mm -hmm. I think the last count was like 22 countries, some of them repeats, oh my but God. I've been overseas 22 times in the course for of work. my for work. Wow. So within that, what was your favourite location? Oh my, you know what? You're like home. <laughs> That home is always the best location. I love I love getting on that plane at the end of a job going, see ya. It's lovely. Bye. See you next time. Um, I don't think there's been any, there's always something really gorgeous about one part or another and there's always something really ugly about one part or another. But, mm -hmm. I, I mean, New Zealand, how can you beat that for like, I don't know how many days I used to stand on, in those mountain hilltops with all you guys. And you just feel like, how beautiful is this country? Like, it is exceptional. It is so gorgeous. But mm. then you have bits like, you know, I love downtown Tokyo for its craziness and its manicness and its fashion and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then you can, you can be on a sand dune in the middle of Namibia, like just admiring the sand. <laughs> yeah. Well, just the insanity of that landscape. Like, it's <laughs> The crazy. insanity, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, I did that. Was lucky enough to do that job in the Antarctic, and um. Oh, I know. That's amazing. So that, I think that when you literally this big ship comes up, and then the director says, "We're going to shoot over there," and I'm like, "What? Which bit of over there?" They're like that bit. I'm like, <laughs> "But it's floating ice." He's like, "Yep, here we go." <laughs> so we get twenty Were people. You guys were you guys doing an aging makeup on that film? That, that film. <laughs> I, I'll finish. Let me finish this. Bit yeah, first. Go, anyway, go. so we get, we get twenty people on this piece of floating ice, and the director says to me, first lady, you need to get in the water." <laughs> I was just like, "You guys have lost your mind." <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm in this hazmat suit that I can, you know, if I fall in the water, it's supposed to give me two minutes of life before I die. I was oh like, my god. 
God. Okay, I've had enough of this. But I remember that film when it started. We started filming in Croatia. Hmm. Luckily enough, we started with the younger section of the cast members. So we had an actor in full wig, full beard. And, you know, sometimes the short beards can be much harder to deal with than the long beards. Yeah, I'd agree. So all of a sudden, the first scene, and I knew it was coming up. I just didn't know how brutal this film was going to be. We all get into the water, which was just chest deep, and it wasn't that warm. Where's this? This is in Croatia in a place called Havar. Oh, I love Croatia, yeah. That's beautiful. But we get in, and the next thing I know, I can see the actor pulling his goggles from because he was diving. Mm. So he pulls his scuba goggles up over the wig, and then he pulls his respirator down over the moustache and beard. And I just looked at one of my teen and just went, I think it's going to be a hard day. <laughs> so here, here we are floating around with bottles of Chalesis trying to get this beard, and we're wet, like, Completely wet. Trying to get this beard stuff back down, the mustache back down. I'm like, I'll take the wig, you take the beard. And then they're supposed to kiss at the end of it. And then at one stage, I think his mustache ended up on her. Oh and I was God. just like, okay, <laughs> I need to be there for the edit of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. But so, it just, it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's just, that's rough. So you're going from Croatia and ending up, you're starting in Croatia and you, did you finish the film in Antarctica? No, we started in Paris. Okay. Then we, then we went to Croatia, back to Paris. Uh, we went to uh, Cape Town. We shot in Cape Town for a while. Oh, wow. Then we went down to the, uh, Argentina, then the Antarctic, which is, yeah. which is amazing. Like I seriously, it's, if everybody gets a chance, they should go. Yeah. Quite beautiful. That was the Odyssey, right? Yeah. The film. And so the makeups that you were doing in Antarctica, yeah. what what were you doing? Is it just like one person that you were looking after there or? No, we had three cast members there. Yeah. So we had, can't remember his name, which is terrible. Lombard Wilson was playing Jacques Cousteau. Mm-hmm. He was in full prosthetics and a wig. Then his, his eldest son in the film was in a full beard, a uh, couple of prosthetics, and then we had the female actress. She was in a week and eye bag prosthetics as well. And it was really interesting to watch, like, what those prosthetics did within the cold. It wasn't too bad, but I do remember having Lombard in, again, in a diving suit because I don't know, Jacques Cousteau was, like, the forerunner of underwater exploration. Mm. Mm. They were both in the water in Cape Town, so there were complicated things going on. There was these huge whales playing right next to us. We've got two actors in the water. The actor's getting really hot from all the exertion, which is making his face go red, but, of course, the appliances were staying the same colour. Mm-hmm. And, again, I'm screaming at him, trying to get him to make sure that he takes his goggles down, not yeah. up over oh. his wig, because there was no way I was getting in that water with those whales to tack that wig back on. <laughs> There's a lot of fear going on right now and I'm scared and I don't want to be going in the water. So you're going to have to sort yourself out. Thank you very much. Huge, huge, like literally we were just in those little dinghies and there were these huge humpback whales. No. Like just coming up and down. And even the local South Africans are like, no, I don't think they're very happy we're here. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to (laughs) die. I mean, what an incredible experience, but at the same time you're working, getting stressed out about what's happening to your actor and thinking, I don't want to get in the water with these incredible creatures because one may swallow me by accident. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're more in danger of them having their arm. Their tail flopped down on you. And believe me, when it comes out of the water and you're a metre from it, you don't want Mm. that to happen. Mm -mm. It's massive. Oh, my goodness. So you actually had more problems with the appliances and wigs and facial hair and stuff in the hotter kind of climates than the cold. Yeah. but Well, mainly, you know, when they're in that situation that um, they're in the water and I can't really get in to do a colour adjustment Mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. Um, That was a problem. On land, it was always fine. But, Dale, I always get the films where I've got some actress, you know, underwater being thrown around in a bloody tsunami or a, <laughs> somebody on an iceberg or it just goes on or somebody at the top of a mountain I can't get to. It's just like, what else? Somebody in Colombia? Like, 
I'm about to die getting swallowed in this muddy river trying to get down to do checks. I'm like, oh, my God. You're not the first person that's told me that Columbia is just like the surprise that they survived their shooting experience in Columbia. It sounds like a death trap with the because were you in the jungle? We were in the jungle. We were, funnily enough, we were doing a film called Jungle, but um, okay, <laughs> we yeah, we were in some pretty remote areas. But I remember, I, I'm not kidding when I say this. We had to shoot a section where a couple of the actors <clears throat> had been stuck in a river and they swimmed ashore, and mm-hmm. they'd had they'd had too much rain, so the river became literally like a a mud sludgy kind of thing. Yeah, we we had to shimmy down maybe five or six metres on bamboo poles with just those little crossbars with oh all the God. crap on there. And then with a warning that if you heard this whistle, you were to try and get out as quickly as possible because there was a whole, <laughs> there was a wall of mud headed our way. And I'm like, why did I say yes? 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 <laughs> You're the man for the job, Rick. <laughs> oh, my God. He's willing to risk his life for his work. Yep. <laughs> I know it. It's insane. I mean, it just goes to show what craziness they ask everybody to do. Yeah, well, there was that time too. On, I mean, I could go on all day. Too. There was a time actually. George, George was with me. It was a time on Mount Fuji where we were filming in the middle of winter, and a blizzard came through, and they were trying to evacuate us all off the mountain. I remember being so cold, I went just to the very basic catering and pinched their Glad wrap. We had to wrap our feet in Glad wrap. And then put them back in our shoes just to try and pick the bloody things up. I've never been so cold. Does that work? Terrible. I didn't know that. Was yeah, amazing. it really works. Give it a try. So they just turn into like little sweat, sweat socks. Yeah, yeah. It's not attractive at all afterwards, but it's okay during. Well, most location shoots, you're not feeling so attractive by the end of the day anyway. So <laughs> no. it's okay. That's amazing. I love those stories. Now, with doing supervising, so you've done a lot of supervising work and designing. Is yep. there one that you prefer? It, it, you know what? I think if I know the designer that I'm going to supervise for and I like the project that they're doing, mm-hmm. if I'm interested, I'm happy to go and do that. Uh, yeah. I'm, I would hope to think that I'm a kind of people person anyway, so I love that whole thing. Mm. Um, but at the same stage, I, you know, I like the designing aspect of it as well, so it's kind of I don't really mind. I tend to supervise a lot if I go overseas. Yeah. And then I usually design more local stuff, I think. I don't know. It's about 50-50 at this stage. That's cool. Yeah. What have, what have you been working on lately? Lately? Well, I finished Mrs. America with the lovely Anne Morgan and the lovely team over there and of course she popped in for a little rescue moment <laughs> and then there was any help but yeah <laughs> yes there were <laughs> and then I've just been filming the latest Marvel action thing called Shang-Chi and the Ten Ring so even though I can't tell you anything about it <laughs> no. but that's cool so you're in the Marvel family now I would say yeah well probably the yes <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So that's obviously a comic book that they are making into live action. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. shooting, where are they shooting it? In Sydney or Sh- Gold Coast? Yeah, Sydney. Sydney? Shooting it in Sydney. Yeah. Australia's pretty um, busy right now. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. Now, I need to ask you, is there a product or a tool that you would not want to work without? Ooh, a Denman brush. Mm-hmm. Definitely Denman. My freestanding wig stand. Yeah. Cannot live without that thing ever. And this <laughs> product called the Pantanin, which I call baby butt cream, because it really is a nappy rash cream. I know it sounds weird, but it's got this antibiotic kind of quality to it. Mm-hmm. It's soothing because it's got lanolin in it. And I just find if anything starts to, it's just a good rescue kind of cream for everything. <laughs> but if anything flares up on the skin, you just whack that on it. Yeah. Well, even if you look like you need to put a barrier over something or mm-hmm. um, even if you need it like in some kind of compound to like mix one of your makeups out with a little bit, mm-hmm. something to add a bit of shine. It's kind of my version that I like more so than Egyptian magic kind of thing. Okay. That's your go-to. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I do remember the first time seeing that on set and I was just like, isn't that for nappy rash? <laughs> <laughs> it's totally for nappy rash. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's a... <laughs> 
has multiple <laughs> functions, really. Yeah. Um, so I would like to know who you would like to hear on the podcast, Rick. Thanks for asking, JL. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear from somebody that's been in their first year in the industry. <gasps> yes. Just to find out how it was. What, what you know, the ups, the downs, the tears, the happiness. I'd really love to find out what the first, what it's like now to be in the business for just the first year, mm. or just just the first whatever. I think all the big hair and makeup people are always fascinating with stories and stuff, but I would mm. love a junior, just a junior's perspective on things. Yeah, I spoke to um, Flora Moody the other week and she said the oh, yeah. same thing. I think because yeah. over in, in the UK they have juniors and trainees and like they have, you know, their system of moving moving up yeah. through yeah. the ranks. And, yeah, she wondered just even in the last five years how much it's changed in the UK especially because I think yeah. it's a lot busier over there now than when she was coming up. So do you have that in Australia, trainees and juniors um, and stuff? We have assistants, right? Or haven't, I don't usually have assistants only because I kind of, nobody ever treated me like an assistant, mm. you know what I mean? Like they'd always just give me the respect that they just gave me things to do and then just trusted that I could do them. So I kind of don't like the idea of assistants too much. I love the idea of a trainee. Yeah, you mean assistant in the in the way of like cleaning your brushes and tidying yeah. up, and but not actually yeah. doing any hair and makeup work. Yeah, I think if you're right. going to come under the team, then you should be doing hair and makeup from the yeah from as soon as you get it. You need to be invested in it. Yeah, yeah, like get in, get your feet wet. Let's get going. So a trainee more. I think a trainee, like at the moment on the current film I'm doing, well, you know, we have these two trainees assigned by the government which okay. is just fantastic. But you know that they don't have the experience that I can give them a cast member. Yeah. But they can get involved with background. They can see the procedures. They can help with cleaning up or stuff. But if I'm going to hire you on the main team, I'm going to expect you to be doing stuff that everybody else is doing. Maybe not on, you know, the number one or the number two cast, but, yeah, that's yeah. my whole thing. That's awesome that you have that with the Australian government. You know, it's amazing. And they're really... Everybody's excited about it and it's just, yeah, really good schedule of work for them. Yeah, it's a good support system for the, yeah. well, for the industry. It's awesome. Yeah, completely. <laughs> well, thanks for chatting, Rick. It was awesome to finally hear your story because I'm <laughs> thinking that after, what, how, how long have we known each other, like 15 years, I don't think I knew half of that stuff. So, oh, well, that's good. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for coming on the podcast. Anytime, Dale, anytime. Lovely to chat to you. You too. All right, darling. Bye. Okay, Last Looks crew, thanks for listening. And remember, if you love it, share it. A quick scroll down and you'll find our show notes. Or maybe you'd like to give your support and leave a five-star review. Come on, I know you want to. Search The Last Looks podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, whichever one tickles your fancy. And a massive shout out to the husband, Brett Stanley. Without his patience and tech support, this whole podcast situation simply does not happen and cheers to Liliana Rose for her fabulous voice acting talents okay last looks crew that's a wrap for me I don't need to be told twice to get out of here so bye I'll catch you on the flip side that's a wrap people